It's time for the Mark Husson Show. Expect something wonderful. Hello, everybody, and welcome. It's Mark Husson. This is the Mark Husson Show. It is May 22nd, 2018. If you're listening live, it's just a little bit after 9 a.m. Pacific, a little afternoon. Eastern, take me to lunch with you. This is exciting to be with you. I missed you last week. I had things I needed to take care of, and I did. I have so much to talk to you about. There's so much going on. So let's get going. First of all, let's get you all over into the chat room. If you want to come over, go over to 12radio.com and click the chat link on the left-hand side. When you do, you will be magically teleported over into our Facebook chat page, which you probably, most of you know the routine already. But if you're new, just come on over. You have to be uh, invited in. You have to get there. You'll be asked to get in. And uh, Christy, my producer, will let you in um, if you're nice. So when you get there, you'll click, you'll see the banner for me. You'll click the comments link on the bottom right. You'll click the next one at the top of the page (laughs) and you'll see the chart for the day. Now that's an important chart for the day because we're going to be playing with it. I want to start getting you guys really used to understanding the nature of these um, of the wheel and the houses because I think if we start hammering in the house uh, energy of a chart, uh, we're gonna have a lot more fun talking about when planets come into those houses and about your own natal chart too. So get that natal chart done if you don't have it done. Um, there are many places to get them done for free. I do offer a paid service for reports at 12reports.com, but you can get them free, I think, at astro.com. Um, uh, and you can just uh, alab, alab, alabe.com. You can get free charts there, just the circle. Some of them will interpret them for you for free. Um, but just get that wheel when you can and bring it to to our classroom in the in the ethernet inter- internet i guess right right okay so let me say hi a couple shout outs to kathleen and terry are in the house and also ade <laughs> um we have a we're going to do a podcast here soon uh, me ade and terry I'm, i hope you'll listen to it we'll be announcing it uh i i have been out of i'm gonna tell you why i've been gone and where i've been but let me just keep shouting to you for a minute hi april joy thanks for being there Lori winter good to see you <laughs> hi pamela thank you with the peanuts gang um tiffany welcome hey elizabeth Lindsay, jan courtney you guys are such sweet people to be here hi jennifer welcome (laughs) little known fact i snuck in to vegas and saw elton oh that is so sweet i love that um Lori, thanks okay oh that's sweet i miss you guys too alicia how you doing um uh, you already do shine, baby. Hi, CA. Welcome to the room. So nice to have you here. Hi, Maureen, Laura, Donna, Terry, Doreen, Rachel. Woo, y'all are amazing. Thanks for being here. Hey, listen. Um, so a couple of things I want to talk to you about. One, I have a Scorpio rising and a Scorpio moon and a couple planets in Scorpio there in the first house. Now, what that means when you look at this chart, and I'm going to explain this to you, when you have stuff in the first house, it's how you present yourself. It's what you want the world to see. And when you have planets there, it gets a little more emphasized. So if you have Scorpio, one of the things you're going to learn and that you do learn, and when you, as you do readings for people who are Scorpio risings, particularly, or Scorpio moons, they have secrets, what? <laughs> it's not like you, you're like, I ain't telling you that. It's more like, I ain't telling you that. <laughs> but there's a reason. And it, it goes deeper than just like, I need to keep it from you. When, when you have a lot of Scorpio in you, you look at the world from a different vantage point, just like everybody does. But the vantage point that Scorpio looks at the world is like at the belly. They look below the surface. Okay. I was just watching... Oh, my God. I like to scare myself. So I turn on, you know, the squid documentaries because they scare me. And there's this one where this guy is like surfacing and these squid attack him and he's kicking him. They dislocate his shoulder. They they cut his wrist. They um, he burst his eardrum trying to get away. And he was only five feet from the water. Right. This is crazy. And they're just pulling at him. And I'm like, okay. They show this one moment when you're underwater deep and you see this shadowy figure of this giant squid. That is like total scare shit for me, right? So 
Um, and I always think of that as Scorpio. You're in the middle of this dark pool, this motionless ocean of stillness, right? That's how Scorpios live. Well, when you're the rising and the moon of Scorpio, you do like to dip into that energy. You don't necessarily like to live there. Now, the point is, when you meet people like that, the last thing you want to do when you meet people with the Scorpio rising or Scorpio moon, when you meet them and you know they have that, you like to you you need to give them the room to come out on their own time, like to express what they're thinking, what they're doing, because you'll meet some chatty Scorpio risings who are just being deflective. They'll say, I don't have anything to hide, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. It's like you just nod and go, okay, whatever, just keep letting them do their thing. That's a form of deflection. Because, you know, I'm telling you, when you learn astrology, when you learn tools like the Enneagram or the Myers-Briggs, you realize that people don't really have a good sense of who they are or what they're doing. You just learn to not trust it, right? You, you learn to trust the chart way more than you trust somebody's opinion about the chart. So it certainly doesn't matter at some point when you're seeing a certain aspect or a certain part of them that they're not seeing. It like, doesn't matter. It's good for you to have that information. All right, so what's my point? My point, I when my my lovely baby boy Gabe died, I didn't tell you all. Um, because it was deep and it was personal and it was painful and it was horrible for me. And I don't, you know, it was awful. And that's just part of me. I don't need to share it. I don't want to share it. I don't think y'all need to carry that. I didn't need to hear the condolences. It just doesn't matter. It was a personal loss and he died February 22nd and it broke my heart, right? He was my, he was the beautiful white cat you often see me put pictures of. So his brother, Xander, who I also adore, and we've had him uh, for now 15 years, uh, went into a deep grief, grieving process. It, it was horrible to watch, I'm telling you. <laughs> and it threw my world upside down because we had to plan not only to deal with the grief of Gabe, we had to make a safety net for Xander who was freaking out. I mean, he was howling in the middle of the night. If he smelt Gabe, he'd start, he'd literally just scream for him. It was awful. It was just horrifying to watch. And I, a couple of people said later, you should have let him see, you know, Gabe when he, and it's like, uh, I don't, I am, I, I'm, it's morbid to me. I can't. I mean, I know people say to do that, but I couldn't be in the room when I was in the room when we were taking care of Gabe. We had somebody come to the house and I'd given him a um, tranquilizer. And I spent the day with him. I was on the floor with him. I was looking in his eyes. I was thanking him. I was just being present with him. And this old 80-some-year-old guy, the vet who's going to knock him out, I just got a referral because uh, I didn't want to put him in a cage and take him to uh, the normal vet. So the guy comes to the house and he's like, you know, well, well we got to get him in the chair because I can't bend over. And I'm like, all right. So we're kissing on him and stuff. And the guy goes, well, this is going to hurt for a minute. And I'm like, what? And before I could think about it, he injects Gabe in the hip and it hurts. And Gabe leaps out of the chair and runs up to under the bed where we had to remove the mattresses. Now, this is my worst hell, okay, because I, I this is not how I wanted to say goodbye to him. Okay. It was, it was hell. So we get him, I bring him down and I told John, you have to finish this because there's Gabe in my arms knocked out and he was just asleep, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to complete the process because I want to kill this guy who just did this to my boy. So I'm like, I'll be in the other room. So, um, that's why we didn't hang around and say, here's Xander, take a look. So now Xander's going crazy. It's been, he, he started, okay, he's 15 pounds. He's now eight. He lost so much weight. We were getting freaked out. And so, uh, I mean, and we're like every minute with him, morning, noon, and night. I mean, I don't care how many hours of sleep I got. He'd come in at 2 in the morning wailing. I'd get up with him. Then he'd go see John at 3 in the morning. I mean, it was like, whatever. That's the that's the baby. What are you going to do? And so um, there was a moment when we took him into the vet. We finally took him in and um, just to say, let's get him a physical. And she saw something she didn't like and in his stomach. And she thought it could possibly be a lymphoma. And it was like, okay, this is a little too much. And so uh, we brought him back. And 
I'm not, we're not doing anything. I'm not doing any exploratory thing. I am not putting him through that. It's just, it's going to be what it is, but I am going to make him one happy little boy as he goes through his process. So what we've been doing is spending time with him as much as possible. And so last week, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I put up a post because I was in a mood and I said, I hate love. And I had a, just me and Xander because I was head to head with him. And I was just so sad that he has to go at some point. Right. And it got interpreted that he passed. And I just didn't have the energy in me to do any explaining. And so I let people express their condolences. And thank you all for doing that. I just took him as condolences for Gabe because I didn't really talk about Gabe's passing. Anyway, long story for you. I'm sorry. But I um, wanted to share that with you to let you know, A, Xander's still here. Um, and we're spending as much positive time as we can. He looks actually really a lot healthier. And he's being a lot more he's he's healing you can tell from the grief of gabe um but it's just a process so it's like it reminds me of mole mama <laughs> diana um when she uh, spent time with her mom knowing it was near the end of her mom's time and she just made it a point she dedicated her life to that i had got to interview her for that it was a beautiful interview and she wrote a book about it i hope you'll find it the mo just just google mole mama or check out her name uh on one two radio get go to the host page she has all that stuff there for you, the link, the book, everything. And it reminded me of that's what, you know, she did. And it's exactly what we're doing with Xander. I mean, I, it, we take this stuff very seriously. I really do believe if you don't own the pet, if you don't know, if you don't own a cat, if you don't, even other people's cats, I mean, you can't really know the the depth of it, like how cute they are and how, how they open up to you when no one else is around. So people know that it's grieving to lose a a pet but each individual you know you can't re you can just know that it hurts to lose that thing but you know it's like the you can't nobody can understand the depth of it because and especially when it comes to a cat because cats people think are so aloof and so different they are aloof to you all right <laughs> but to us i mean you haven't seen a cat roll over and and just give you that cute look when it's everybody else is gone. And, you know, I wear him like a scarf around my neck all day. He'll just sit there and purr, wag his tail and demand that I do it. Right. I'm his little servant. Anyway, that was the story. Wanted to make sure you all knew he's still alive and well. I was definitely going through a moment. I don't like talking about those moments, honestly. Um, and that that's to me the little bit of the Scorpio stuff that comes out that says, I don't need it to do that. I just don't need to do it. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear the condolences. I don't care. I mean, honestly, for me, it's so personal and so so profound. Now, it's very nice. I see the love and the support, and it's always very sweet to have that. But keeping that, it's so inside of me that it's like out here it just looks like a movie at that point, right? So anyway, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thanks for letting me share that with you. Let's talk a little bit about what it is and how you discover these things in the rising signs and what it means when you meet people with these placements. And that's what this blue chart that Christy put up for us is for. And I sent it to you if you're on the Mark Husson Show mailing list. Um, you got this big blue chart that I, I made up. And basically, I want you to understand something. If I can get you to understand one concept today, and I explained this a couple weeks ago, the concept is um, – the houses, okay, these little pieces of pie, they are all have a theme already imbued in them, okay? They all have a theme. And the way you understand it is by correlating the number of the house with the number of that zodiac sign. That's why it's important that you know the order of the zodiac, which always starts with Aries. So it's, you know, Aries, Taurus, Gemini, Cancer, Leo, Virgo, Libra, that order. You need to know that order because that – so when you're talking about the ninth house, you're talking about the ninth sign of the zodiac to help you remember what that must – what that house is the theme of that house. So if it's a Sag house, like the ninth house, it has to do with the energies of Sag. It's not ruled by Sag. It's the, the theme of this novel is about travel and philosophy and hoping for something bigger and religion and the overview of life and the quest for what means something to us, right? So when you put your chart together around this wheel, your ninth house, that ninth house there that's the one o'clock position, might be ruled, might have a different sign on the edge of it. And that's the color of the light. That's the way the director wants these issues of travel and spirituality and religion to be looked at. So when you 
it always is the ninth house is always about travel and philosophy and religion, just like the first house is always about the Aries issues of coming out, of pushing forward, of getting like how you're seen. Um, the, your chart, though, over that, the sign that is on those houses now tells us how you achieve those things. It's the colored spotlight. So like, for example, I've been talking about the ninth house. I have my son up there in the ninth house. I'm going to talk to you about that too because it's a very fascinating part of astrology. When I put the spotlight on my ninth house is cancer. That means the way I travel, the way I um, – spirituality, the way I do religion – has to do with the can- it's it's spotlighted as cancer it's nurturing right it has to do with the the sign of cancer and an example would be the way i travel is at home through the discovery channel <laughs> that's how i travel and i could tell you more about certain countries than you could if you were a world traveler maybe i mean i'm sure your depth is so much more if you are a traveler now i do love travel but why don't i travel i got a cat to take care of right i don't want to think now this is how silly some people would think it is I don't travel because I don't want Xander or Gabe when he was here to wake up one day and go, where's dad? Why aren't they here? Because we have been in their life every single day because we work at home since they were breathing. And I don't want to think about what it looks like for them. Like when it's time for Xander to go, um, John was very sweet. He said, I'll take him. You know, you know, I know that's very painful. And I was like, no, no, no. I am not going to live with the idea of him looking up to see where, where's dad. There's no way in my head I'm going to let that happen, right? So I can cry through it. I'll get through it. But the idea is that's cancer in the ninth. I'm like I, the, how I deal with it, how I deal with travel. Well, it's not important to me. I'll, I'll travel through TV. I, I do watch a lot of those stations. I just watched Call Me By Your Name. I think it's not my new favorite movie. It takes place in Italy entirely. I've watched it four times. I mean it's like, oh, my God. This movie, and, and there's other reasons why I watched it. I mean, because I do think I relate to it. Was those are those are just very real moments for me, and I could feel them. But it also, I fantasize about like how how the other part of the world lives, how the really wealthy live, because that's what it reminded me of. They have a villa in Italy. It's just a life, and it's not exciting. It's kind of boring. They ride their bikes around, and like, what do you do in summer? We wait for winter, and what do you do in winter? We wait for summer. It's like, um, but. It's still that life, that sort of like that travel, lose your perspective life where your perspective suddenly gets gigantic, right? Because you're doing something different, which I think is what travel gives us. Now, my son sign is in the my, – my, the circle with the dot in it is in that ninth house. So what's that say? His identity, me – is in the idea, I identify it with being the traveler. Believe it or not, I do. I identify it with being the teacher. That's Sagittarian. So technically, if you remove all the signs away from your chart and just look at where your sun sign is, that's, you could say you are that sign. So you could say, technically, I'm a Sag. And guess what happens with me and Sages? I kind of like them. They kind of like me. I mean, we ha- we're an inconjunct, right? Cancer and Sag. I still am a Cancer. They're still Sag, but I have a certain kind of Sag motive like they do. So I understand that, right? So if your son was in the sixth house, you have a, no matter what sign it's in, you have a propensity to what? Looking at this chart, the sixth house is the um, four o'clock position. You have a propensity to the Virgo issues. So now if you're a Virgo with that sun in that sixth house, ooh, you're a double Virgo, right? That's what people might say, double Virgo. It's not technically double Virgo. We say that though because the energy of where you identify with and the energy of your sun sign, of your essence of who you came in, they're very much matched up. So, But let's say you're a Virgo with your sun in the fifth house. Well, you still are like a Leo, um, you have a, a Leonian presence to you. You have an, in, an interest in how you're seen. Uh, people in the fifth house definitely care about how they're seen the, the way a Leo does. But because it's a Virgo sun sign, it's it's filtered through more humility and it's filtered through more um, maybe you watch things from a different perspective. It's It's just how you mix them together. So find your sun sign. Find the circle with the dot in it and see what house it's in. And then call yourself that house number. Like if it's in – okay, so just so you'll know, if your sun sign's in the first house, in the that first piece of pie, you call yourself an Aries in your mind. 
Okay, just play with it. Like, oh, I'm an Aries. It's a now you you might be surprised. I have found so many. <laughs> I have so many Aries Moon people in my life, and I am Moon in the first. But I also have Saturn there, so it's a little. Ca- and then I have a ton of Capricorn Moons in my life. It's so funny how you can break it down. And so many of my friends have things that they're like. I have a friend whose Mars is in Leo. Um, yes, I kiss the ass a lot there, and um, <laughs> but it's in the twelfth. Mars and Pisces, that's what I have. There's a definite rapport there. So just by playing with where your planets are and just start with the sun sign, like identify your sun and what house it's in and call yourself that sign. Then identify the moon and call yourself that moon. So you might be like what I am is think about this. I'm all water, right? I'm cancer, moon, Scorpio. I mean, Scorpio, moon, cancer, sun, Scorpio rising, Mars and Pisces. I've got a shitload of water, right? But then when you put them like what I just did, I have the sun in Sads, the moon in Aries and Mars in Leo. It's crazy. It makes such a difference to understand your life that way. So there's a part of me that does go for um, the inspirational part of life that's sort of like, okay, you know, uh, here today, gone tomorrow. Take what you can from life. You know, Harold and Maude was one of my favorite movies because I could just go. I want to be her. I wanted to hang out with her. And I and I remember as a kid, the brooding kid, because you do, you know, I did my first house for a lot of my early years. I was brooding. I really was a brooding kid. I People really, I mean... Saturn in Scorpio, Scorpio rising, moon in Scorpio. That's what people saw. That's what I identified with. I was young, and so I didn't talk a lot. I sought out therapists on my own by trying to get to say I was a reporter, um, trying to do a a paper on uh, psychiatry. Had no idea what I was doing. I wanted someone to talk to really bad. No one that I knew, right? And so this this helped tremendously when i first found out about who i was um where the placements were it was like unbelievably helpful that's what you can use astrology for what is your motive what is the thing that keeps you why are why are you considered shy why were you considered outgoing then you play with the the relationship of the planets among themselves. Like, do you, is your sun sign touching some other planet? Like, mine's touching Uranus. So not only am I a Sag, I'm a Sag. I have an Aquarian foundation, Aquarian mind. Um, and I relate. So my closest friend when I'm coming out in the world, coming out, period, was an Aquarian. She took me under her wing and made it safe for me to exist. Hi, Sharon, if you're listening. Um, and... We related about the world. We were so because you're you're looking at the world through an Aquarian mind, which is like you know separate and and different and on a different path than what people would expect. Now, if you do that with your sun, if you do that with your moon, and you do that with your um, first planet Mercury, and then Venus, and then Mars, you eventually get this little setup. Okay, so. If you understand, if and, and that's just a way to play. Throw away the sun sign that you were born with. Throw away the um, moon sign you were born with and put it in the house that, that it's in. Just look at the house that it's in in your chart and then call yourself by that house. It is unbelievably revealing. It's also very helpful when you do that with your friends. Strip away because you're looking, strip away the sign that they were born under and look at the placement of the house because what's happening here is you're seeing their, um, how they're acting out their life, what the role is, what their identity is. So when you meet somebody with the sun in the seventh house, those people should want always, they want to identify with a partner. Show me somebody with sun in the seventh, and I'll show you somebody whose relationship issues are very important to them. Now, that doesn't mean they're in relationship, even though I have a lot of sun in seventh house friends who that's their life quest, right? And they've been called codependent. Is that fair? Is that fair? You definitely look at the labels a little differently when you see that this is what they're here to do. Some people are here to do it with another person, to share the partnership, to identify with another person and to do everything with them. Haven't y'all been with those couples? You might be one. 
they do everything together. I mean, kill me, right? <laughs> but and and not being judgmental, kill me, not you guys. I love and appreciate that you do it. I expect you always to be together. They're the couple that when you call, and I've had these relationships. It's so funny. A lot of them, when you call, you know the other person's either on the phone or going to know everything about the conversation. There's no separation of the two. So you always respect that and you talk to both. As Even when you're talking just to one, it's not your business to decide that that's a good thing or a bad thing, right? It's just, okay, that per- they like being together like that. Well, at the end of those relationships for them, it's pretty devastating. And it's not soon after that that they will have another partner to, to bond with or the quest will be on for them to bond. So you see, it's uh, where that sun sign is, is very important for you to understand where the identity of the person is. And it makes a difference. I don't care what the sign is. That's why when you go, oh, they're a Leo with, you know, you tell me the sun sign. But when you know what house that sun sign is in, that's their mission. That becomes the, that's how they identify with their world. That's what's going to bring them to life. So if they have sun in the 12th, They're Pisces-like, even though you might have an Aries with sun in the 12th, and they're soft. They're, like, sensitive. You don't expect that from an Aries. Now, are they an Aries or a Pisces? Well, try to get them to do something that they don't want to do, and you you get the answer, okay? (laughs) They're Aries. No matter what happens, is Aries, right? And I I mean, I tell you, I have so many people in my life that reflect these things I'm giving you examples of. That it's kind of fun. Like when you see somebody with the sun in the third, they have a book inside of them typically. They want to write. That's just the sun in the third. Why? That's the Gemini house. That's the house. With it. What does the Gemini want more than anything else? Connection. You want to hurt your Gemini friends? Tell them you're not going to speak to them for a while. Right? Or when a Gemini is really, when you piss the Gemini off, they say that to you. And you know that's bad when a Gemini goes, nope, I ain't doing it. <laughs> Don't want to talk to you. The sun in the second house is like a Taurus house. Now, that person, finances mean a lot to them. It, it reflects their security. I know they would relate to the idea, sun in the second house, that when you got money in the bank, you feel like a million dollars. When things are tight and bills are piling up, you feel like crap. That's just an example, but that's when you know that about people, you know how you can sort of address some of the fears. Now, what's the difference between the sun and the moon? The moon is a requirement. The moon needs those things met. If you have a moon in Gemini, you must have a connection with somebody that is about communication and talkative, and and you must feel that connection. It doesn't mean you have to have a relationship. It means that when you do have a relationship, it's got to be about talking. It's got to be about connecting. I got to see who you are. Now, not all Geminis... You know, Geminis are pretty cool in terms of they don't really have a lot of judgment about you, but they definitely can make it look like they're a lot more interested than they are. Okay, and you have to be careful about that. Like, a lot of Geminis are just like, oh, yeah, that's really fascinating. And they'll ask you more questions about it just because they love information. Um, But they may not – they may be showing interest, but they may not have the investment that you might think they have. And that's something to be aware of. So you look at their chart. What if it's the moon in Gemini in the eighth? Well, that's the Scorpio house. So that means they have a moon in Scorpio energetically, but Gemini ruled. So that means that they love the connection and the communication. But the eighth house tells us about what? Things going deep. Now, that's a Gemini that you want to go, you can get deep with. And I have a few of those. I seriously do. I have a few. I mean, it's funny. My Venus is in Gemini in the eighth. And I'm in an industry that is like, okay, so eighth house is also money from others. What's my industry? Psychic hotline (laughs) through talking. Okay, you get it? The telephone is Gemini. Uh, Money from others. Uh, is how the income comes in. And my, my Venus is there saying, I, how do I make money? What is my love of doing, making money? It's making money through communication. And, and telephone is one of them. Speaking of with, we're going to have a flash sale today. <laughs> so if you don't, if you aren't on one, two promotions uh, on our mailing list called one, two promotions, get over to markhusson.com and sign up. Look for the su- subscribe button or go to one, two house.com and make sure you're on the one, two promotions link. We slash our prices at one, two listen so low. 
it makes people's heads spin, but we only do it for a short period of time. Now, I'm telling you we're going to have one today, but I'm not telling you when because that's only for the people who signed up to one, two promotions. So get over there. All right. Now, I wanted to take a minute. I'm going to look at, see if you have any questions, and then I'm going to take us into the week ahead. Um, so I'm shutting my screen down where I have my big blue chart up. Okay. Um, now that's funny. Um, I'm scrolling down, you guys. Sorry, another thing popped up. I, I was remembering the Facebook ad. Y'all seen that new commercial for Facebook where they're like, now we're going to make you safe. Well, thanks. <laughs> I mean, like, like you're doing us a big favor. That should have been implied. Okay. Um, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Let me hit refresh you guys real quick, and then I'll, I'll read out some questions. If you have any, you may not have any. That's great. Okay. Yeah, you got some. Hold on. All right. Um, is there a book you could recommend to help me understand house placements? I've been listening since Hay House. I'm still confused. Okay, Tara. Um, Capricorn Sun is in the 12th, but I'm only 60% sure. So if the circle with the dot looks like it's at the um, 10 o'clock position, okay, you see the horizontal line that goes across the 9 o'clock and the 3 o'clock line. If it's behind that 9 o'clock line, it's in the 12th. Now, um, I like books like The Inner Sky. The Inner Sky by Stephen Forrest takes you through the house placements very clearly, very cleanly. I like The Twelve Houses by Howard Sesportis as a really as you get a little more into it. Um, so, so I think that could help too. Um, if you if you're a Capricorn and you're having trouble with this, um, you're you're trying to pull it all together a little too much. It's like this is not rocket science. It's very simple. You have a circle with a dot in your chart, and it's in one of those places, and it's in one of those pieces of pie. That's all you need to know. And if it's in the piece of pie that's number 12, like the chart I gave you, then your son is in the 12th house. Okay, thank you for validating why even as a dedicated fur mom with ninth house son and sads rising that I rarely leave the kids behind. Yay! <laughs> Staycations! That is brilliant, Sid. Staycations. Oh, my God. I wish I'd have thought of that. <laughs> oh, that's me, man. I love it. Oh, that's so great. Okay, so people relate. See, you do relate, and you see there's a Sag that can actually relate to a staycation, and her son is in the ninth house. So this is so uh, Sag rising, right, and son's in the ninth. So she understands. She, she, But we travel. We do. We, we're, I mean, and you could plot me anywhere in the world, and I'll figure it out. I will figure it out. I promise you. You could plot me, blindfold me, drop me in a country, and I will somehow make make do. I'll make it work. I know you could do that too. Okay, Michelle Brower. Michelle Brower. Sun in the 11th, moon in the 12th, Mercury in the 12th. Okay, so sun in the 11th, you're an Aquarian, Mercury in, Can Mercury in Pisces. So this is the Aquarian ideal, right? See if you don't like the idea of like-minded people, of thinking outside the box, of being the forward thinker. You don't like norms. I mean, things like that. It's like you're an Aquarian, but it gets colored by the sign that you were born under. Okay, look at Ade. Try to get me fired to do what I don't want to do. That's true. Ade has more Aries than I think a lot of people have seen in one person, <laughs> right? I mean, and I get along great with Ade. At least my perception of that is we have our moments, but like Aries will do that, right? But I have an Aries moon, technically, right? I don't really, but I do technically because it's a moon in the first. And there's going to be a natural empathy, sympathy with people of that sign. All right. Um, if I go, if I go from my ascendant, it's totally different though. Should I go from my ascendant? Okay. Um, let me see what that means. Okay. No. Yeah, Michelle, from your ascendant, you look at your chart and let's say whatever your rising is, look at your sun and you see what house it's in right there. Don't pay attention to my chart, your chart. So yeah, you look at your rising sign and look for the circle with the dot in it in just your natal chart. This is all about your all's natal chart. Just look at your natal chart. Okay. Oh, the Astrological Houses by Rudyard is deep, but he loves the book, Astrological Houses. That's Greg. Um, every, Dane Rudyard is a um, sort of like one of the first psychological astrologers on the planet. 
He does get deep, it, and he sometimes gets esoteric, but it is a lovely book. Um, Howard Tesportis gets into Liz Green's psychological astrology, but Stephen Forrest talks to the masses and one of the first books to really make it easy. So you might want to start with Stephen Forrest, The Inner Sky, and work your way out. Um, let's see. Okay. I'm sorry, but I didn't hit the previous look. Let me just look really quick. Oh, my God. <laughs> this is so cute. Uh, yeah, you guys so get it. I know you get I mean, you get you get so much of what I say. It's really sweet. Rachel, Scorpio Sun, Scorpio Rising, Scorpio Venus. <laughs> you do feel me, baby. I know. That's so funny. Um, OK, see, there you go. And if your son is in the first house, it matters how people see you. Right. Um, uh, that's funny. Hi, Sharon. That uh, OK, Sylvia. What the hell, Mark? Don't watch that stuff or better yet. Don't. <laughs> That is the question of the hour, Sylvia. Why am I drawn to it? I can't stop. I love it. I eerily seek it out. But you ain't going to see my butt in the water. I ain't going in. I just ain't. I can't. I don't know what's down there. And that's my life. I don't know what's wherever it is. I don't know. Now, get me in my house alone and I hear a noise. I'm down there first thing. I need to know what's down there <laughs> face to face. But don't get me in the water with things that I don't. I just can't deal. But I love watching it. And I love watching other people get eat by it. But. Thank you. Got to stay out. Mark, what is your what are your Enneagram types? Oh, Rachel, I'm a two. I'm a self-pressed two, so I'm in the mean two. And, and um, INF, wait a minute, INFP. Kelly will correct me. She's listening. She's, she's a, you know, a specialist on that, but the Myers-Briggs. But yeah, I think I'm INFP. I think. I think I'm INFP. Um Okay, we have a chatty Scorpio sun <laughs> where I work who pretends to be an open book. Don't buy it. See, I love this shit. This is so fun. Thank you, Jennifer. Um, hi, Mark. Sorry for all oh, that's so sweet. Thank you, guys. You're so you really are so sweet. I know it's very hard when ugh, you all know, though, we all go through it. Right. And it was just like I think last week was um, a week where I just needed to like be me with me and it was great and things are more balanced now i feel more at peace with it you know like scorpio energy they bury the things they love a million times over so i had my little babies um going to their death <laughs> when they were born so you know, i still you know you still grieve you still suffer the loss but you know what you do i'm not afraid of grieving it's just uh don't like to do it publicly right thank you i know that's so sweet um Susie, uh, thank you, honey. I know. You all know. You animal lovers know. That's so sweet. Hi, honey. Um, okay, let's see. Any um, – a cat that lets you rub his tummy is an amazing gift <laughs> without the nails for sure, right? Um, okay, let's see. I love staycation. That is so fun. I think we're good. Let's see. Mine is kind of boring with a Pisces rising every planet in its house. Oh, honey, that's far from boring. You guys are the ones that we need. The, you are like on track, right? You are, Everything is where it's supposed to be. If you're an Aries in the sun in the first, I know a few people like that. Wow. It is like you get honesty. That is for sure. Moon in Aquarius in the ninth house, Mark Husson's favorite. I, I have trouble with Aquarius moons. I have to say I, I they, they outed me anyway because it's my staff like they mumble about, you know, they're like, oh, you're an Aquarian moon. He'll hate you. It is not true. I will not hate you. I just clash with them. I do. I can't. What am I supposed to say about it? I don't know. I'm learning. I'm, you know, I'm learning that it's like there's something there for me to learn. I, what can I say? I don't hate you, though. Just be nice or I'm firing you. No, I'm teasing. <laughs> Your chart is so much the same as mine, although I'm a sun and sad. Oh, Suzanne. Yeah, so I'm sort of an honorary sun and sad, too. Yeah, Harold and Maude, they rock. Um, oh, I'm so glad, Leslie. I'm glad this is helpful. Doreen, sun in the seventh. Taurus with the sun in the seventh. I missed that boat, Mark. You miss nothing. I don't know. Um, sun in the seventh. No, I don't know, girl. I mean, if you're talking about miss the boat of relationships, it's like I have a Taurus friend, sun in the seventh, and alone. And so much about appreciating this. Like when we get together, he is actually adorable. And he's so appreciative and so sweet that um, I'm shocked because he's not in a relationship, right? But when you all get in a relationship, it's like, see you later, sailor, for a while. And that's fine, but it's so sweet. You get to see the sweetness in people. Harriet, what you got? Sun, moon, Mercury, and Leo in the fifth. Oh, my God. 
<laughs> Girl, you are. That is so great. Wear it proudly. You know, when you have Leo in your chart and you learn early that you have this all this creativity and that the world's opinion of you matters early, there's a lot you can do with that. There's a lot to work with. I mean, it's so wonderful. Um, all right. I think we got it. Is there – okay. There, I'm, I'm going to go to the very bottom and then we're going to talk about the week ahead. Sag rising Aquarius moon in Virgo in the ninth house. I hate traveling. Oh, you're an Aquarius moon, Susie. See? And I love you. Um, so <laughs> it's all about it's all about what how we evolve. There was a time when I did not get along with Aries at all. I couldn't deal. And then I found out I had an Aries moon. That's how it works. And then I'm a Sun Uranus conjunction, like an Aquarian. So whatever parts of me I couldn't accept, I started projecting onto the people who had that, and it's like couldn't accept them. I've grown up a lot, you guys. You gotta, you know, forgive me for my earlier whatevers, but you gotta grow. Sun and moon in the eighth house in Scorpio, but I am a Leo, sun and moon. Oh, now see, there's another one. Whenever you see somebody with the planets in the eighth, the personal planets, they love to get deep with you. Now, you know, Nancy Louise, she gets deep. And I'm, I mean, she's gotten deep with me. I've seen her in the rooms. You guys get deep when you're eighth house people. That, what is it? The House of Scorpio. Tiffany, six, House 6 Dominant. I <laughs> love it. See, now Tiffany's the one you want to like, when you're sick, call Tiff. Oh, poor Tiffany. I should have done that. Yeah. No. <laughs> I've taken four crazy dogs on a road trip because I can't bear to leave them. See, Nicole, we get it. Now we are up to five. <laughs> yes. Introduce them early to the people that they can love and you don't feel so bad, right? That's so sweet. I didn't do that. <laughs> So um, that's so sweet. Um, oh, that's so sweet. Thank you, Susie. You just touched my heart, honey. Um, you know, Leos, they, they, they love deep, too. It's so cute. Okay. My, I, need, I knew Mark would find. Oh, yeah, Donna. It is awesome, baby. It's like you, you got to love where your placements are because that's like as real as it gets. It's seriously real. I mean, I love that about the people that have them placements really natural. For you, it might seem like, well, you know. I don't change. I'm not complex, but it's not fun to meet somebody with a rising sign so completely different than the sun sign that you don't really can't really know who they are for a while. Um, oh, thanks for that, Greg, for a million years. What <laughs> I'm just teasing. Taurus, okay, sun in the seventh, and truth can be true love of self. That's true. There you go. There you go. There you go. And you get that love, Kathleen, as you evolve. I think through relationships, you, the reflection back to you is very important. Taurus with sun, Mercury in the fifth house, sun, Mercury in the fifth, Scorpio moon with moon in the 11th. Okay. That is, that's creativity out the butt, right? And it's at your pace. It's something sensual. That's a sculpture. That's somebody who does, um, who likes that moon outside the box. You're not, you don't like to do things the normal way, which is in your own timing. Okay. I'm taking a breath with this. Let's go over the week and see what's happening. Oh, you guys, it feels so good to talk to you. Thank you so very much. It's like being, I swear, in my fantasy, we're in a convention, a big table. No, not even a convention. We're at a big dinner table, and we're just talking. It's so great. Okay, let's look at the week ahead. I got some funny things to tell you. Now, today, it's a Virgo moon all day. But tomorrow, from 7 in the morning, Okay, no, it's 8 in the morning, 7.55 a.m. Pacific. Until midnight Pacific, it's a void, of course, moon. Now, I'm a lunar-ruled guy. I'm a cancer. The, the moon is what I watch, okay? And so when, I'm, when the moon goes void, of course, I have often felt weird. And so as a result, I've told people, watch out for those void, of course, moons. That's not fair, right? It's like a Gemini who tells everybody, don't, you shouldn't do anything on a Mercury retrograde because they mess you up. Well, maybe it messes up the Gemini, but we can't transfer that. But I'm here to tell you, I get weird under void, of course, moon. So I like to do things around the void, of course, moon before them or after them, me personally. So you watch yourself tomorrow. This is a great chance for you to see. Did you buy something? How long did you keep it? Did it, was it forever? Did you change your mind? Try tomorrow as your experiment on what a void of course moon. Oh, let me explain void of course. Now I'm using the celestial influences calendar, which tells you everything. Void of course. Here's what it means. The moon changes signs every two days, two and a half. When it's about to change, it, and in 
when it hits its last planet, like it's going to make a relationship to all the other planets. When it's no longer going to do that, we wait until it's ready to change signs. So if the moon doesn't make another relationship with any other planet right before it changes signs, that's the void of course period. Now, you don't have to really technically understand it. Just know when they are. So when are they? Tomorrow from 8 a.m. until midnight Pacific time. The entire day is a void of course moon. Check it out. See what you think. It could be the best day you ever had because you're unhooked from all the feelings and emotions. It could be the worst day you ever had. It could be the nothing day. It could be no different than any other day. But you got to check that out, please. And I'm saying for me, let's see. I got, yeah, everything I do under Void of Course Moon just pretty much. Maybe it's a good day for me to recycle or get rid of stuff. I don't know. But what, what, you know what it is? I know what it is. When I teach under Void of Course Moon, if I had my radio show under Void of Course Moon, it would be forgettable. But we'd have fun. It'd just be forgettable. Be one of those that are like, oh, nobody remembered <laughs> in my world, right? Okay, so then let's go up to the 25th. Okay, so Thursday. So tomorrow's all day void, of course, moon, which is a Virgo moon, technically. And it doesn't go into Libra until midnight. That means Thursday, all day, Libra moon. Looks like a beautiful aspect day. Not a big deal. But here's something interesting. On Friday, it's Libra until we go void, of course, at 2 in the afternoon, Pacific for the entire day again, okay? Another all day and night void, of course, moon. It doesn't get out of void. It's, these long void, of course, moons, just weird. Like, it's where the planets are, so the moon can't touch them. So this, this happens like this. But Friday, so remember that, 2 p.m. Pacific. Also on Friday, in the morning, Jupiter is trining Neptune. Now, according to my Magi people, remember that book? Success in love and money, that is the most magical day of the entire century. Now, that's an incredible day. That's an incredible day to launch a business. But there's a caveat before you start you know, setting your appointments. Venus is going to oppose Saturn, and that is the worst day to do anything relational. What do you do with that? That's I'm serious. You look it up in the book and it says, oh, my God, this is a, this is a magical aspect. This is a day to start a business. It's going to be successful. Well, I talked to the master, John. I said, John, how do you distinguish those? And he, of course, made sense. He said, one is the, it's more transpersonal. When you're doing something in the sense of like, imagine you started a business that was to help, you know, you know, me and my refugees, help refugees, help people who are being disenfranchised. That's an ideal, right? But that's a great, so that's very successful. That could happen. But over time, that Venus, Saturn, because it launched it on that day, it may encounter a ton of trouble. Like it might be hard to maintain. It might be something that I, I end up falling out of love with because it's so difficult. Now, I, I'm not – that's a very strange example, but I just had to think of something that I, that's transpersonal. That's like what if you had a shelter for dogs or a homeless shelter? It could be that. Um, it's something ideal. It would be a great day to start it. But on the personal level, the Venus opposition Saturn – terrible day according to magi to launch something on that day because you eventually won't like it so that's not a great wedding day right when you agree don't get married this friday if you already had the plans well go through with it and quit making it a superstition that's all oh, what can you say like that's when astrologer goes what days did you pick and they go i picked this this and this and you go oh that's great well i like this one but if they already picked it right or you know if they give you a range you can help them if they already picked the day Find out what's beautiful about that day. Otherwise, it's you're reigning in too much superstition and too much power. I'm just telling you in advance. Now, let's say you did have a wedding planned for this, um, I would say, for this Friday. Well, Venus-Saturn opposition doesn't happen until 1140 at night. So you're probably going to get married either early evening or early afternoon if it's a Friday. Yeah, nothing to worry about. Okay, and if you did, I would say have another ceremony on a better day. So do it, and then we'll get married again. It's easy. There's always a way around it if the, if the superstition hits too hard. Um, we go into Scorpio Moon Saturday morning, 6.30 a.m. That's a gorgeous day for you to, um, um, you know, I, I was going to say, depending on where Scorpio is in your chart, it's a great day to get deep. to like question life. The moon's doing some fun things. It's not a, it's not a harsh day at all. And Sunday is the same way. So, you know, what we have is today we have Wednesday and Thursday night. Let me see Thursday 
from two in the clock on. So Wednesday, all day void, of course, moon, one for you to experiment with. Thursday, that's your window of opportunity. Get something done there. <laughs> this is how I think. Now, you know, whatever. It's it, I hate thinking like that, too. I hate telling you that's how I think. Okay, then Friday, you got all until 2 in the afternoon Pacific. Just try to get some shit done. Pay attention to what's going on. I think people from your past might appear. It's a great opportunity to enjoy people, to get the truth done. If you're having struggle on Friday with a relationship, it's just Venus and Saturn opposing each other. It will pass. Venus moves very quickly. So it's just you're not solidifying anything. Not a great day. I mean, try to keep it. If it's, you're getting in ice cubes between each other, let it roll. It's okay. Don't go hounding it. It's really important to let Saturn, when a Saturn-Venus conflict is involved, if you guys are in a state of disarray with somebody, let it just be. It'll evolve. It'll change. It'll snap out of it. Okay. Um, Memorial Day, another long void, of course, moon, but uh, it goes from Scorpio to Sag. That's an interesting transition from Scorpio to Sag. For those of you that don't like Scorpio moons, you love that transition. For those of us that love the Scorpio moon, uh, I, we love that transition too because we usually don't mind Sag when you have that Scorpio in you. It's the day before the full moon, which means I get to talk to you next week on the full moon, which is going to be in Sag. So we are going to be inspired as hell next week, okay? This week we're going toward the light, <laughs> which means the bigger, brighter full moon. Pay attention to it and don't take – don't don't make any relational decisions. Don't make any big relational decisions. Okay, now I'm going to check your questions and then I picked um, Under the Milky Way as my theme song today because I was going to do the theme to Call Me By Your Name. But it's so soft and it's so touching that I'm like, maybe you're not going to be in the mood for that. So I got us under the Milky Way, which I figure was apropos. And I missed the 80s. I missed them, meaning I was working my butt off in the 80s. I mean, I had moved to Denver in 82. I got my first um, – I was, I was doing minimum wage daycare. I mean, I, a lot of you know that story. I was like – I would torture my kids because I was so – unhappy i'd come out and say good morning class and if they didn't say good morning mr beautiful they didn't get their brownie and i'm not kidding i was like well oh, i'm so glad you're not hungry they're like mr beautiful <laughs> i was so mean and then i started mowing lawns uh landscaping Can you imagine none of these things i want to do i mean somebody telling me go pick up that poop and i'm thinking i have a master's degree i i have something to contribute to society i was miserable right Saturn return stuff, right? So then I focused. I got my rehab job finally. It was really harrowing. Um, I got it and then um, eventually <clears throat> opened up a new age store. So <clears throat> I missed all the fun of the 80s. I missed all the music. I missed, I did. So when people are like, they're singing the Breakfast Club theme and, you know, the, the, um, uh, whatever some of the fun ones by the cars i mean it's like oh my god i missed all that music so i get to hear the 80s fresh and new so under the milky way when i first heard it my younger friends were like are you kidding you're just hearing that and i go this song is remarkable <laughs> so i am proud to own my 80s um, so I'm signing off with that. I'm gonna check one last time make sure y'all don't have any serious questions going on or disappointed let's see here um, <laughs> Donna, thank you, baby. Uh, okay, good, good, good. All right, you guys are good. All right, wait a minute. I guess I'm like a double Aries sun in the first. That's exactly right, April. Except you do that thing. We talked about this, I think, where it's you're very present with people in your areas. You're a very other person focused, but people with sun in the first house care about how they're seen. Do you see that? It's like so you're gonna pay attention to the to the reflection. Um, to the reflection coming back at you. I did get the wedding bug. Somebody asked me. Um, I don't know what happened. Saturday morning, I woke up way early. Xander woke me up pretty early. And I just flipped on the TV. And it was like, <laughs> I have Hulu Live, right? And the way they decide what they're going to show me is on, I have no idea. But the royal wedding from Lifetime Station was right there. And I was like, this is my chance to figure out who these people are, or what the story was. How delightful, really, for me to watch because she like they met on a blind date. She's pretty cool. She's biracial. It was like, oh, my God, this is so wonderful what's happening in the world because 
you know, it just feels sometimes we're so the opposite is happening sometimes, right? I mean, people are getting scared because they're they're a different color, and yet here, to the first African American woman to be to be the mother of a princess in England. Oh my God, I was so happy. So I was glad I watched it. I did catch the fever, and um, it just changed my day. I was like smiling inside and out. So now I look at it. I was like, I'm not going to get into that wedding stuff. And then I was like, Oh, this is great. Okay, you guys, I love you. I really do. And thank you so much for your love and support always. I feel you. I'm going to be here next week. Um, We're going to have a sale. Don't forget, stay tuned for the amazing C.A. Brooks. Enjoy Under the Milky Way. I'll be around. I promise. We'll talk soon. Have a beautiful week, you guys. Thanks for sharing it with me. Bye-bye. Sometimes when this place gets kind of empty sound of their breath fades with the light I think about the loveless fascination Under the Milky Way tonight Lower the curtain down down on right I got no time for private consultation under the Milky Way tonight Wish I knew what you were looking for Might have Something that's shimmering and wild